Hi, this is Peter Schwartz, public address announcer for the Cosmos, and you're listening to the First Team Podcast. Hello Cosmos Country, on this week's episode, I'm going to review the Cosmos 1-0 victory over the San Francisco Deltas, look ahead to the Cosmos match this weekend against the Jacksonville Armada, and towards the end of the show, we have two topics that I want to discuss, a rant that Aleko Escadarian had on Twitter on youth soccer in the United States, and the other topic is that U.S. soccer has over $100 million and they want to spend it on a national training center. What should they spend it on? I want to get your thoughts on that, and I will share my opinions as well. But first, let's talk about the Cosmos match in San Francisco. It's the first time, of course, the Cosmos played the San Francisco Deltas, and they played very dirty, the Deltas. It was a match that I've never seen before in the NASL. The referee didn't know what he was doing. He was not taking control of the match. If there was a foul that someone should have got a yellow card, he would just say, okay, yeah, play on or whatever. He didn't warn the players and it just got out of hand. And that's the one thing that I didn't like about the match. Someone said on Twitter about the Deltas, that's how they're going to play all season. And if they do that, they're not going to get that far. They have talented players, the Deltas. But why are they playing like that? I know the Cosmos are in town, and you want to intimidate them. Maybe you can't score a goal, or maybe you can't beat the Cosmos, but maybe you want to intimidate them and make them go after you so they can get a card. But that's not the right way to play the game. So I hope when we play the Deltas, I don't think it's going to change because I think what happened this past Saturday, that rivalry is brewing. It's brewing not because the supporters are going and clashing together and arguing and have all this banter going back and forth. It's the players. It's the players fighting on the pitch. And that's why the next time the Cosmos play the Deltas, it's going to be a very interesting match once again. But let's talk about how Giovanni Severesi lined up our New York Cosmos. It was Maurer in goal. Jimmy Mulligan left back. Djokovic, Barnes, Richter. Emmanuel Ledesma, Satella, Juan Guerra, Marquez, Flores, and Restrepo. So the Cosmos went with a 4-4-1-1. Not a formation that I like. The problem is, is that we were more defensive, but going forward, we didn't know what we were doing. There was no attack at all. And that's something that I don't like about the Cosmos. And I've been talking about this over the past couple of weeks. Giovanni Savarese is changing our style of play over time. 
Or he's trying to teach the current players and the new players how we used to play over the past couple of years. I hope it's the last one that I just said. I hope he's teaching the new players how he wants them to play, the great attacking side that we have seen over the past couple of years. We've won championships playing like that. We've blown opponents away. I want to see that. But I also want to see a very tight back line. And the back line was not that bad this past weekend, but it was a struggle. It was a struggle to attack. It was a struggle to play the match without getting a yellow card or without um, being a fight or the referee stopping the game. And that was the problem this past weekend. So I don't like blaming the refs every single week, but I think pro has to work hard and teach these refs. A lot of people say, U.S. soccer is great. U.S. soccer is this. And I love U.S. soccer. And I think we are growing as a country in the sport. Owners, teams, uh, media outlets, people covering the sport in this country, we're all growing together. But I think the referees have to grow with the teams, with everything. Because how do you expect, for example, like uh, Phoenix Rising FC in the USL, they brought Drogba, and now they're playing in the second division. If you get that ref... That same ref that we saw at the weekend for Cosmos Deltas, and he's refing, let's say, Joe Cole with the Rowdies or Drogba with Phoenix Rising. That's a joke. It's a complete joke because they're going to laugh at that and say, hey, I came to this country and the refs are the worst. Some people might make the argument that the refs in England are not the best, but we want consistency. So if the Cosmos make a foul and the Cosmos get a yellow card, or if, if Juan Guerra gets tripped, I want the Deltas guy to get a yellow card. I want it to be consistent. And that's all I ask for. I don't want to call the goal the other way that it shouldn't go that way. Uh, But let's go back to the match. I don't like Restrepo playing up front. Amari has to play up there. And if Amari is not going to play up there, we need another striker. We're so weak up front. We don't have that guy that's going to control the match. And that you can say he's going to get 10 goals this season. We don't have that guy. We don't have that person to count on. So it was going back and forth. The referee was not controlling the match. And the Cosmos scored thanks to Emmanuel Ledesma. He made his Cosmos debut in the North American Soccer League with a chip. And that was a beautiful, beautiful goal. And I tweeted, after that match, Emmanuel Ledesma's goal has to win play of the week in the NASL. And it did. And it won the Cosmos goal of the month. That was a beautiful goal, and it's probably going to win goal of the season as well. Emmanuel Ledesma has to start every single week. If he can keep that up, maybe he can be that player that we can depend on like Juan Arango. There is another argument that you can say, we don't need to depend on one player, or we shouldn't depend on one player, like a Juan Arango or last season, Orozco. Last year, every single player was scoring. Lucky, this guy, that guy. But this year, in 2017, we're just getting used to these players. Starting to understand what role everyone's playing. And the players themselves are trying to gel and they're working hard to come together as a team. And that's great. When we see the great product on the field, that's when you know that Giovanni Savarese has done a great job. He's picked some great players and he's teaching them and he's telling them what he wants to see on the pitch. Personally, I want to see a team that's going to attack well. And I want to see a team that is not going to be exposed in the back. And personally, I feel we need Carlos Mendes back as soon as possible. And I know last season, 
I was saying he needs to retire. He's too slow, this and that. Because last season, Poku ran right past Carlos Mendez. And Carlos Mendez was like three, four, five steps behind him. But Carlos Mendez can't control that. He's getting older. He can't run as fast. But we need an experienced defender, an experienced player. The Cosmos win one nothing against the San Francisco Deltas. Great result. Very, very tough match. Decent stadium as well. The atmosphere was there. A lot of people screaming and going crazy. But that's great to see um, some great atmosphere and some great capacity at Kaiser Stadium in San Francisco. Let's review other matches throughout the NASL before we look ahead to the Cosmos match against the Armada. This past Saturday, Jacksonville Armada FC versus Indy 11. That ended 1-1. Puerto Rico FC, North Carolina FC at Puerto Rico. North Carolina FC got the victory 1-0. Miami FC beat FC Edmonton 2-0 at Ricardo Silva Stadium. And our New York Cosmos beat the Deltas 1-0. So this weekend, this is probably the biggest match of the weekend. The Armada hosting the Cosmos at Hodges Stadium in Jacksonville, Florida. You can catch this match on ESPN3, MSG Networks, and This Is TV. Of course, that's um, a Jacksonville channel. The Cosmos going into this match, they're playing top of the table Jacksonville Armada at Hodges Stadium where they're playing pretty well. My predicted Cosmos starting 11 is Maurer, Ayose, Ochang, Barnes, Richter, Emmanuel Ledesma, Satella, Guerra, Marquez, Flores, and Restrepo. I would love to see a different starting 11, but I went with a formation and a starting 11 that I think Giovanni Savarese would go with. Most likely, he goes with the formation that he played last week and that he has experience playing. So, a 4-4-1-1, maybe he goes with something like that. I would love to see a 4-2-3-1 because I feel that we're not overly defensive, but we have that balance. We have we don't want to give up a lot of goals, but we want to go and attack, and we want to show the Armada that we mean business. I think this is going to be a very tough match because we're climbing up this table. Every single point we grab, every single result, great results that we pick up, we're moving up this table, but we're not 100% there, and I don't think we are going to be there by the end of the season, or I mean by the end of the spring season, because it's going to take time. It's going to take every single match to experience what's wrong. See, okay, that guy doesn't fit in that position, or we're playing with the wrong formation. And winning a championship this year is going to be very, very difficult. Because over the past couple of seasons, Giovanni Savarese, he knew what type of players he had. He knew where they fit in the team. I love the Cosmos, and I love the club top to bottom, but this season, it was a rush to get on the field, to put players on the field, and to bring sort of like that winning mentality back. And the players know they're playing for the New York Cosmos. You can't step on the field and just think, oh yeah, I'm going to win the game. We have to lose that mentality. And last season, I kept saying that. Every time we step on the field, we have this cockiness, and we're so confident, yeah, we're going to win the match. But do we have a right to beat Jacksonville this weekend? Do we have a right on May 13th to beat Puerto Rico FC? No, we don't. No, we don't. And we saw that when we were embarrassed in our first match at MCU Park. We were playing Miami FC, a very tough team, and we got embarrassed. And that forced the Cosmos to come back and rebound and pick up all the pieces and say, where do we go wrong? 
And how do we fix this? How do we get three points next week? How do we win matches? And how can we get back to our winning ways? So I think Giovanni Savarese and the New York Cosmos are on that process. And that starts this weekend against Jacksonville Armada. That's a very tough test. Last Saturday, it was a tough test against the Deltas. We didn't know what to expect. Mark Dos Santos is a very experienced manager in the league. And he got very experienced players in U.S. soccer. But the Armada, on the other hand, limited resources, but they're doing well. We talked to Clayton Freeman a couple weeks ago, and he said they're shocking a lot of people. They're surprising a lot of people because I would have never thought Jacksonville, who struggled over the past couple of years, would be top of the table, no owner. But that's not an excuse to say that the Armada can't be where they are because they don't have an owner. But you would think they were struggling over the past couple of years, but I would have never thought they would be top of the table in the spring season. But it's still early on. But my prediction for Jacksonville Cosmos, it's going to be a tough one. Uh, I would love to see the Cosmos win this match on the road. At Hodges Stadium, I feel the Armada really, really good. I've watched a couple of Armada matches. I think it's going to be a draw, uh, a 1-1 draw. So the keys to the matches are like score first, sort of defend well, uh, because the Armada, they have some dangerous players. But if we don't score first and we just sit back, then I think we can have a very long night. But if we defend well, but if we play off the counterattack and just go forward, and let's say Amari starts, and we score first, then I think we have a great night, and we win that match. Hopefully, we need to climb up that table. But if we get one point at Jacksonville, that's not the end of the world. We come home, play Puerto Rico FC, and we haven't played home in a couple of weeks. So that's going to be another struggle. Giovanni Savarese said at his press conference that they can't train on the field at MCE Park. They can't train on that next field surface. So the players can't get used to that. They can only train on it on that match day. So that means that we're training at Mitchell Field in Long Island, which is a turf field, but that's not next field. That's not the surface that you're playing on. So that's the hardest thing is that how are we going to get used to it if we can't play on it on a consistent basis? So that's the struggle I think we're working with. But like I say all the time, they're professional athletes. They have to get used to every surface they're playing on. It can't be the great conditions. It's not always going to be the San Siro in Italy or it's it's never going to be Emirates Stadium in London. But this is what we have for the short term, hopefully. And hopefully one day we can have a facility like the Emirates Stadium, like the San Siro, real grass, a lot more seats than we have today, and hopefully a lot more people in the stands as well. Other fixtures... This weekend, uh, we have Puerto Rico FC versus Miami FC at Puerto Rico. I'm going to go with a Miami FC victory. 2-0. That should be a great match. Indy 11, FC Edmonton at Michael A. Carroll Stadium. Let's go with a draw. 1-1. North Carolina FC versus San Francisco Deltas at Wakeman Soccer Park in North Carolina. I could see the Deltas winning this match 1-0. So, let's just end the show on these two points. Aleko Escadarian went on Twitter a couple days ago and had a rant on youth soccer in this country. And I feel the same way, but I think a lot of people don't understand this point of view, don't understand where he's coming from. So I'm happy a former U.S. soccer player, he played in MLS, has the same mindset and comes out and talks about it on Twitter, which is great. That's a platform to share your opinions and to have a discussion. Why can't we have that discussion about soccer in this country on social media. So here is Aleko Escadarian and what he had to say on youth soccer. 
He said, just coming home from coaching a training session for a youth soccer team, and I'd like to go on a bit of a rant. Regardless of socioeconomic upbringing, a common theme among those that make it is hunger, discipline, and an obsession to improve. Obsession to improve doesn't mean being better than your teammates or opponent. It doesn't mean making a few good plays in each game. It's a mentality of knowing you have weakness to work on, humility to listen and train on those weaknesses, a drive to never be content. That's the most important part because we have players in this country that are content. They're happy playing in MLS. They're happy earning a wage that's decent for them in MLS, in USL, in NASL. But why can't us as fans challenge the players? Why can't the players themselves want to better themselves? If I'm a soccer player, okay, cool, playing in my country, starting out and maybe playing for a youth academy, playing for a NASL team, playing for an MLS team is great. But why don't you want to play for Real Madrid if you're good enough? Why don't you want to go test yourself in Europe? Michael Bradley had offers from Italy, from Serie A. He played for Rome, and he makes the jump from Rome to Toronto FC. So that's my main example. That's not what Aleko Escadarian said. That's my example. This is my rant as well, is that I always complain and say, you're playing for a great team in Europe. Why do you want to come back to U.S. soccer? What's that drive? What's that motivation to come back to a country in a sport where everyone is content of where they are? No one has motivation. No one has a drive to better themselves. In your life, you always want to better yourself. You always want to do bigger and greater things. So why can't athletes do that? Why can't they better themselves? So let's get back to his rant here. We still have too many youth players in our great country who don't understand what worth ethic, respect for the game, and pressure means. Whether I'm watching our youth national teams, GA Cup, or a local training session, I'm seeing a lot of talent wasting time to be great. And until this culture changes, we will struggle to play against players, teams, countries who simply want to make it more than our kids. And that's the sad part. Us as fans sitting here and we're noticing the patterns. We're noticing that young kids are playing soccer. Great, go and play soccer. Go and play for your local youth team. But then we tell them that they're all winners. For a certain age group, that's great. Everyone is a winner when you're four, five, six. But there has to come a certain age when we tell them that, okay, you're not going to win every day. You're not going to score a goal every single day. That's life. You're not going to have the best days in your life. You're going to have a struggle. But we don't tell kids that. What we tell kids today, you're a winner. You're always great. Have fun. But when you play in professional soccer, you're not always going to have fun. You're not always going to be the best player in the world. You can't walk on the field and be a winner. You have to work and fight for that. And you look at other countries and you say, how did they develop that player? We have all these players, but why are we not seeing results? And Aleko Eskadarian has that point. They're content. They don't want to motivate themselves. It just feels like they're happy where they are because you have the other point of view, maybe that's go towards like more traditional American sports, like NBA, um, NFL, Major League Baseball. Maybe their family is struggling and they're living not the best lives, and that's their way 
to help their family out is to make it big, make a lot of money playing sport, doing something that they love, and that's their motivation. But in this country, we don't have motivation. No one is motivated um, from MLS, from the executives, from anyone in this country. Everyone's content. Oh, yeah, we're making a couple dollars. We're doing well. Whatever. Who cares? But the players, on the other hand, everyone's content. Current MLS players, players that play in Europe come back here. Like I said, I don't know why they do that. And that's my issue with U.S. soccer. And I hope it changes. I hope youth soccer coaches, and this is your call here. It's all up to you guys to tell youth soccer players how to be a better soccer player. Guide them in the right direction. You're like the father figure in these people's lives on the soccer side. It's up to you to make soccer in this country great again. It's up to you guys. It's up to the fans as well to pressure those players to do well. It's up to other media members as well. It's up to the family members to guide them in the right direction. But you're the ones that are molding these players into hopefully world-class players. And if that youth soccer coach is not doing a great job and is not guiding that player, that young player in the right direction, then we're not going to get a great talent for the U.S. men's national team. This is a report from Sports Illustrated that U.S. soccer made a $46 million profit from the Cup America Centenario last year and now have a surplus in excess of $100 million. And they don't know what to do with it. The U.S. Soccer Federation doesn't know what to do with the money. The one thing that they're talking about is that U.S. Soccer wants to build a national training center. I don't know where I stand on that because I think $100 million, okay, of course that's a lot of money. For a U.S. Soccer Federation that's a non-for-profit, of course they might be doing some tricky dealings if they're still a non-for-profit, but that's not getting into that today. Let's just talk about U.S. Soccer Federation has $100 million dollars What would John Frusciante do with it if I was U.S. soccer president, if I was one of the executives on the board? A national training center, most likely for the national team, is a good thing. But do we really need that? Do we really need that? I understand we play or we train at the LA Galaxy, but why can't we use club facilities? Why can't we do that? Why do we have to have a national training center? There's a facility in Florida that's really nice. I think they have like housing for for players as well. Why can't we use that? But $100 million, that can go to loads of things. It can go to potentially building a national stadium where maybe the national team could play and maybe the U.S. Open Cup final could be played there. Sort of like Wembley Stadium in England, something that you can use as like your landmark. Another idea is that we can build a U.S. Soccer Hall of Fame. I did some research a couple weeks ago, and I found that we used to have a U.S. Soccer Hall of Fame in upstate New York. And the reason why we don't have that anymore is because U.S. Soccer didn't have a lot of money to keep it going. So U.S. Soccer had to close it down. Now, FC Dallas is building the Hall of Fame in Dallas? Why can't this be a U.S. Soccer initiative? It's not an MLS Hall of Fame or an FC Dallas Hall of Fame. It should be a U.S. Soccer Hall of Fame. So I think part of that money should go towards U.S. soccer building and creating and getting all the things that they need for a soccer hall of fame in this country. But personally, I feel the money should go to something good, should go to something positive for everyone on the soccer pyramid. So a national training center, okay, the national team might use it. Maybe some MLS teams might use it. 
But would a NASL team use that facilities? Probably not. Would a USL team use that facilities? Probably not. So what's the reasoning behind that? That doesn't benefit everyone in the sport. We need to build something. We need to create something with this money that makes sense for everyone in the pyramid and everyone that is a stakeholder in this game. Because you have investors in the Cosmos and the NASL and, and tons of leagues in this country. We need to create a benefit for them. So maybe the money could be used as prize money. As prize money for the NASL winner, or for the USL winner, for the MPSL winners. Maybe to promote the US Open Cup. Maybe to put that on TV and to promote that and to get more people involved in that. I think if a lot more people knew about the US Open Cup, I think that would excite a lot of people and get more people into the sport. So uh, US soccer, very tricky, very tricky nonprofit organization, uh, but they're not a charity in my opinion. So thanks for tuning into this week's show. I really appreciate it. You can follow us on Twitter and on Facebook at First Team Pod, our website, firstteampod.com. You should check out on our playlist on Audio Boom. Check it out. We have a playlist of our first two First Team Podcast Extra Time shows. Number one with David Kilpatrick, Cosmos Club historian, on if the Cosmos are still the biggest club in U.S. soccer. And we talked with Paul Scaling on the second edition of First Team Podcast Extra Time on the two Division Three leagues and what does that mean for U.S. soccer and is it a good or bad thing. So check that out. If you want to send in any questions or comments or if you want to comment on anything that I've talked about on this week's episode or on First Team Podcast Extra Time, you can email us on firstteampod at gmail.com. Thank you once again for tuning into this week's show. And as always, let's go New York Cosmos. Yeah, just want to give a shout out to the five points. Borough boys up in the Cosmos and the Cross Island yeah. crew. Uh, yeah, it's New York street and white, but we believe you see and fight. Indeed, it seems to be achieving. See, we do and did it right. Cosmo country loving, we above them. I'm just saying, all those lovely somethings come and see it in our playing. The fact of it is, rap from here, tax, passion, bliss. Reacts, tap, we win. So fast, racking them in. Whether it's tag the wing, on the back, stand through the mid, cutting the seams. It seems we see anything to be. We got a ball and a dream. Got a ball and a dream. We do. I'm new, it's true. Fancy crew, down for you, no doubt they do. Surrounding you with bad views. Like Shouting cues allowed to hear without the dudes. Around my crews, I'll check the past, no excuse. Each session a lesson, it's not about profession. The work's the test, and F's connected like a method. Not breathless out the training, something's gotta be corrected. Rushing and acceleration at the start's the most suggested. Infected with greatness, potential is spacious. Out the world, just face it. The work becomes contagious. Some may say we made it, but now we've just begun. Sorry if you hate it, because I can tell you that I'm far from done.